Hello, everyone. Hello, Internet. How's everyone doing today? It is December 14th. I am Mike, and I am joined by my co-host, Holden. Holden, how are we doing today? Doing great. I got an iPhone 13 Pro, so of course I'm great. That is great news, Holden. I'm glad to know that you have an iPhone 13 Pro. We'll certainly talk about that. Wait, you came from an iPhone 10R, right? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So you have... It's a the, big upgrade. Yeah, the iPhone 11, iPhone... 12 iPhone. So you have basically three generations of upgrades that you yep. are now seeing here in the iPhone 10 R. So you had the LCD screen. You didn't have the OLED screen like with the iPhone 10 S. Yep. And it was uh, 326 pixels per inch, which was oh wow, uh, very much frowned upon when that came out. I, I, the resolution never, never bothered me that much, but then I used this phone and I'm like, oh damn. Okay. It really is crisper when you have an extra 100 pixels per inch, a little bit more than that, but yeah. Oh, yeah. So you, you went from like 326 to 456, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, somewhere in the ballpark, yeah. And then ProMotion and just the color difference and because it's OLED now, it's or the contrast is different, I should say. It's unbelievable. It's just the display is crazy good in comparison. Wow. Well, then we'll have a lot to talk about when we get to that, but I'm glad to know that you have a new phone and you're now part of the family. <laughs> <laughs> So we're talking about latest and greatest in Apple news and rumors. So we have, I guess, a couple of things to talk through. We're going to talk through first, it's going to be the iOS 15.2 being released just yesterday in uh, macOS 12.1. We're going to talk about AirPods mm-hmm. 3. I picked them up and surprisingly, I kind of like them. <laughs> I, I don't know what to say about that. And we'll talk about your new phone and anything else you want to talk about in the interim there. Cool. Yeah. Cool. So let's start with Apple launching iOS 15.2 for the iPhone, the iPad, and all those other good things. So there's a lot of new features that are bundled in here, and there's a couple things that maybe people are looking forward to and which Apple set the expectation that they were coming out, and they're not there. So first thing is going to be the provisions that Apple put in there for child protection. Like I think it's like nudity Mm -hmm. image detection in messages. So it's it's that not strange. I mean, I think people get really kind of twisted around what they're doing. But basically, if you are a parent and you have a child and your child uses an iPhone, you can set their phone to automatically detect images where there could potential nudity, right? So if you have a teenager, or actually if you have a kid in general, not them to be a teenager, but this really gives the parents control and uh, I guess about over the kid and you know what they're potentially stopping them from making a life-changing mistake, right? Because that stuff, mm-hmm. it sticks with you forever. There's that. There's the app privacy report, which is a new feature which allows users to see, you know, all the apps that they open, where those apps are going to in terms of who they're contacting, what features that they're using, and what websites they're going to or web web services that they're going to. Thankfully, there's a macro mode toggle, which you'll now be able to get to use in your new iPhone 13 that you have there. (laughs) Digital legacy, hide my email, which I think is probably one of the better features in iOS 15, personally speaking, where you get to hide your email from people. Uh, and you yep. get to use like a, a pseudo email address. And the weird thing is Apple Music Voice Plan through Siri. I want to get your opinion on this because I'm not entirely sold what Apple is doing here. And what do you think about this? So this is where, as a user, I have the ability to use Apple, subscribe to Apple Music. And instead of having the full UI for control and, and navigation and playback, I only have Siri to do that. You can't save music either. If you previously purchased music from Apple Music, that is still in your library, but you can't download any type of music locally and you cannot listen to spatial audio as well, or you cannot listen to spatial audio. 
It seems like a weird feature, but I guess it's maybe for someone who wants to save money, someone who doesn't really use their Apple Music that much and they only want streaming content. Uh, and maybe it's a way for Apple to kind of broaden the catalog to more people or broaden Apple Music as a service to more people, but it's really kind of cut down in terms of features. What What are your thoughts? Yeah, yeah. It's definitely very bizarre. I kind of two ways looking at it. One is like my own personal perspective of like, would I get it? Which is absolutely not because... Mm-hmm. I want to see what I'm playing. I want to, you know, make the playlists and put them together. I maybe actually you can't do the voice play. I don't think you can though. And I have a very hard time asking Siri to find songs because I listen to house music. It's what I like. And finding house music is really hard through Siri because you have to say the name of the song. And if it's the original mix or, you know, such and such remix of it, and you have to get all that exactly right. Otherwise it's playing the wrong version of the song. And it's just, it's a mess for me. So I could never use that service, but I'd imagine going to Apple's perspective on it. I imagine they're doing this because they've realized a lot of people only listen to Apple music on their home pod or <laughs> through Siri. And maybe that's why they opened it up. I mean, that's data that they likely have. So I'd imagine it's because there's a big enough range of people that makes that price point worthwhile. I know personally, I know my mom just listens to music at her desk at work and that's it. And she will just talk to Siri to get her music playing. So that makes sense. But I think for a lot of people and especially people who are in tech commentary, who tend to be more active with their technology, it's going to be a very hard sell for those people. So it kind of has this perception of being, a very odd choice, but there's, I think people well outside the tech community who will like this. I just don't know who they are. (laughs) I have no idea. That's a good question. You know, I think there are people who would like this, but I don't know who they are. They're not, they're not my friends. They're not my family. (laughs) I don't know anyone really like that, but I guess, you know, to your point, being able to, I guess, make a $10 service more accessible, right. And, And that is something that they are doing. It is a limited feature set. It's obviously not the full breadth of features that they have inside of Apple Music, which is, I think, okay, because you're getting, uh, again, you're still broadening the uh, availability of that. When I first heard it, I was thinking to myself, like, are they, is it something where it's like the interaction model? Like, are you trying to think about someone interacting with a future product in this kind of manner where you would limit the feature set? Mm -hmm. It it just felt, it, it felt really strange, but I think the more I thought about it, it's more about the music service and not necessarily the hardware that it's running on. Because people, again, they, they get a little bit twisted on, I guess, Siri itself. And maybe it's really just an experiment for Apple side saying, hey, can we launch an existing feature with a, uh, with a smaller feature set and people will still subscribe to it? Maybe it's, like, again, as I would see it, is an experiment for them. Not necessarily something where they're like, Siri is the best way to control your music, everyone. Here you go. Because <laughs> we know that it's not really the best way to control your music. It's yeah. actually, like you mentioned, you know, if you listen to an eclectic, or if you have an eclectic music taste, it's really hard. Like like you, I listen to house music, or I might have some kind of very unique song variations where I'm like, play the DJ Psycho Bitch uh, version of <laughs> of Green Velvet's. You know, like it, it's just a really weird song, and she'd be like, "What?" Like she's like, "I'm playing Green Day." I'm like, no, that's not what I asked for. I said, you know, it's just, it's not that, not that good, but we all know that. I can't tell you how many times I've been like, play this song. And then Siri will start playing some rap song. And it's like nothing against rap, but like I was listening for house. And that's a very different genre of music than rap. So it's like very jarring when it's like all of a sudden I'm hearing an entirely different genre than what I was expecting. But that's just, I think it's less of a Siri problem and more of the kind of music I listen to and how common it is. What I noticed is, the curators, the people that curate the the albums and the playlists recently started coming up with very short playlist names. 
So like today was play my mornings. It was like play my morning wake up playlist. Like it's something that's just like very simple where you she there's no way that she could screw this up <laughs> to say it nicely. <laughs> and I'm wondering if that if that was intentional, like they're renaming some of the more popular ones or they're coming out with new ones that are like slight variations of existing ones that are very popular where they could be like, oh, yes. Oh, wait, where's the one that I, I saw? I was like. Oh, come on. I bet you're right, though. I, there's there's probably someone who works at Apple who their job is just to like, all right, here's, you know, 50 different playlist names. Say all of them to Siri and see which ones like work the best. Yeah, like peaceful focus, feeling happy, morning commute, family breakfast, fresh start, long run, brainstorming. I'll have to check that one out. Light work, long lunch, eating out. Like they're just two words, right? They're I mean, they're, they're very What's long lunch. Like this is a song that's not quite good enough for a short lunch or a medium lunch, but for a long lunch, this is the perfect song. It is a lot of songs. Wow, you you are definitely having a long lunch with this. This has got it's <laughs> it's six hours and eleven minutes. Who is this person? They should be fired. <laughs> if I worked at Apple, that would be like the joke I make. Like I'm gonna go on my six hour lunch break now. <laughs> yeah, uh, this is a really long lunch. Quality time, alone time, kids play. So all the new playlists that I see here. They're all two words, very kind of succinct and, oh, this one at my desk, three words, I'm sorry. Much more complicated phrase. It's very complicated. Yeah. Compared to, uh, these are sleeping playlists, modern country Christmas, like they're, I don't know, some of them just seem to be more verbally complex where if, you know, depending on where you were from, Siri might have a hard time understanding you. And it's, it's my impression that from you know, family that I have, when they try and speak to, they have Siri set in a different language, and when they have Siri set in a different language, it's not. It does, the performance is very bad. Oh yeah. So in the simpler words are easier to translate. Exactly. That's that's a good point. So, who knows? I guess we'll see how it turns out. I mean, I'm uh, again, I'm not the person who would subscribe to the service. You are not the person that would subscribe to the service. I don't know anybody that would subscribe to the service, but again, I think like you mentioned, or like you said, there are people that would do this for sure. They're out there. Yeah. (laughs) This is interesting. Now, I didn't realize this. The next feature was SharePlay coming to the Mac. I didn't realize that it was not on the Mac when Mac OS Monterey launched last month. Yeah, right? I was like, yeah, because I've been using it on my iPhone and my iPad. I'm like, oh, wow, it's not on the, uh, it's not on the Mac. And I, Granted, I was in that space where I was really focusing on the new MacBook and I wasn't really trying to test SharePlay as a feature, but I never really thought about that and like missing until, you know, someone pointed it out. And I don't usually run the betas on my, uh, on the device that I'm using right now. So that's probably yeah. another reason why. I have not gotten a chance to really use it yet. And it's a shame because Apple TV Plus has had some good shows and I, I just have been watching them at home. I haven't been SharePlaying them. Like, <laughs> We talked about this over the summer and uh, sorry to, to kind of step back. SharePlay as a feature, it's like, wow, that, that's a really good idea. Like Apple, this makes sense, but it seemed kind of weirdly timed. And maybe now going into the wintertime with kind of the things that are happening with, you know, these new strains of coronavirus, maybe it's going to become more popular where it wasn't before over the summertime when people were more outside. Who knows? Maybe that that's going to be the case. Renee Ritchie said something about that kind of leading to playing why this feature is coming out. And as soon as he said it, I'm like, oh, that is 1,000% it. This is exactly why they released this feature. Oh, wow. Because it's going to be great for AR, VR. 
and connecting with your friends to watch something in a VR space together. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, that would be a really good point. So either doing AR, VR, or some type of online gaming, which we've talked about before. You know, there's no backbone for communicating with your friends on Apple or through Apple games, like there is Discord or the PlayStation Network. I don't remember what Xbox calls it. But either way, FaceTime would be a good way to link all of your friends together for, you know, AR experiences or VR experiences or even gaming too. Or maybe those two things are exactly the same. Who knows? Well, it seems like, I mean, based on Metaverse and all that, that AR VR is going to be very much about sharing experiences with people and SharePlay does exactly that. Yeah, it does. It does. Have you used SharePlay? Now, so I, I think you mentioned that you, you haven't used SharePlay on your Mac, obviously, because it just came out. But have you used SharePlay yeah. since it launched? Because I know we tested it. but I'm, No, that was the only time I've used it is when we tested it. Okay. Yeah. It's nice. It works, you know, for a beta at the time, it worked well. I'm excited to try it again. Just haven't, haven't, schedules haven't lined up in a way that I've gotten a chance to use it. So I will tell you that <laughs> I literally blew my dad, not literally, I, my dad was technologically challenged. And he, <laughs> he's like, Mike, I need to know how to print a PDF. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> let me show you. And he, he couldn't get it done. I'm like, I'm like, oh, wait, hold on a second here. I can, I can remote into your screen. I go, do me a favor. I go, let's FaceTime. I go, click that button that looks like the person in a box or in a rectangle. He's like, okay. He's like, you can see my screen on my phone. He's like, this is awesome. I'm like, yes. <laughs> so share play from, from helping your elderly relatives is great, right? And it's probably going to become more, you know, more of a relevant feature come this holiday season. Oh, oh Christmas Day yeah. is going to be the let me tap into your device so I can sign into your accounts for you because you're technologically challenged. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I've actually never seen an app that will record your screen on iOS, but I came across one the other day. It was called Loom, I think, where you could do mm-hmm. screen sharing. Yeah, it's called Loom. You could do screen sharing and you live screen sharing and recorded screen sharing of your iPhone, your iPad, and your Mac. And it's just a, uh, it's just an app that you download. I was like, oh, wow, that's really neat. I wonder how they do that. Other than being sandbox, so they use like AirPlay or something like that to like say, like like mimic AirPlay to a degree. I have no idea. So you can record your screen and you can record your FaceTime camera and they'll even do, I think, picture in picture. Oh, so that's beyond then. Okay, interesting. Wow. Yeah, huh. it's pretty It's pretty cool. It is pretty cool. So um, that is pretty nice. Let's talk about SharePlay lock screen notification summary. So did you upgrade your phone yet? Yes. You did. did. Okay. Okay, cool. I really think that the lock screen notification summary inside of inside of 15.2 is great. So I love that the way that the, so Mark, uh, Mark Gurman talked about this in his weekly newsletter, but it's really just kind of the outlining of all your different notifications and making them more meaningful and I guess more meaningful and streamlined where you can like then take action from them. They're not perfect. I would love to change a few things. But I think it is a really good step forward in the way that notifications work on iOS. I still have that problem, and I don't know if this is just you or anyone out there that's uh, listening, where I don't get some notifications at all. It seems like maybe the times that I have for my preview setup, like I have 9 p.m. and maybe 6 p.m. Or sorry, 9 a.m. and 6 p.m. Mm-hmm. Like every notification that I get from 9 p.m. or from 9 a.m. to 6 p.m., if it's not in like a, someone who I have to just break through, I don't see that notification until the next day. It's really weird. I don't know if it was just me or not, but what are your thoughts? Have you used notification summary? Are you using it? I love notification summary, but you're right. Sometimes it can be a little odd with 
how it works. So like they're um, like Patreon, for example, I'll get like the prompt being like, oh, you know, your podcast is now available through through Patreon. But that notification comes at night when on my desk, I actually kind of want to get that notification. I didn't and I didn't realize it when I set it up and said, oh, yeah, just send this to the, you know, the summary. And I'm like, oh, actually, I do want that momentarily. So there's a little bit of finicking, kind of playing around with it afterwards to to kind of get it exactly how you want it. But it is nice because there's so many notifications that you get that I don't need to know about in the moment, but it sure is nice. Like, for example, um, we just got a um, a Wi-Fi connected vacuum cleaner recently, which is crazy. Never thought I'd say oh those God. words. Wow. That's cool. And uh, it'll tell you like, hey, you need to clean out the dustbin. It's getting a little full in there. And I don't need to get that immediately. That can wait till like the end of the day. That's fine. Uh, it's important. I still need that notification. Well, need in quotations yeah. Yeah. <laughs> on that notification. But like, I don't need to get it immediately. So that's nice to kind of avoid those kind of things. But yeah, I, I like the feature a lot. I think it's a really good feature. So I thought it would be great to have your notification summary synced between your different devices. Like if I set mm. notification summary on my iPhone... There might be the opportunity to have it synced the same way on my other devices. Like in your example for Patreon, I don't think Patreon has an, a Mac app, right? They I don't, don't think so, no. No, but but they do have the ability to push Safari notifications, I, I presume. They do, yeah. Yeah. And oh, they so, should be able to at least. I don't know if they do or not, but they should be able to. It would be nice if you could, uh, if you had the ability to synchronize your preferences for notifications across your devices the same way that they do synchronization of home screens on your TV or they do um, focus modes on your uh, all your devices either or as well. Like also between Apple Watch and um, an iPhone, you can say like mirror my iPhone or yeah. set this up like custom for, for the watch specifically. Um, yeah, you're cool. right. That would be really nice. And even just to sync them across the cloud better would be nice as well. It's like exactly. notifications in the cloud. That would be cool because there's often times where I'll see the notification on my iPhone and what I, so something I don't like is where if I tap on it, it brings me into that app and shows me that, you know, that message or whatever the case is. But if I go back to the home screen, it's actually still on the home screen unless I swipe to dismiss it, which I don't, I don't like that at all. If I tap on the notification, I'm, I'm assuming that you're showing me the content and that I've actually taken action on that notification. It seems to me that the thought process there is like, oh, what if you accidentally tapped on it? Well, what if I didn't accidentally tap on it? Now you're making me tap again. It's just you're making an interaction that's not necessarily that's not necessary. But I, I'll check yeah. a an SMS notification on my phone, and then maybe an hour later on, I'll go to my iPad, and that notification's there, even though I've actually made read it and responded to it on my on my iPhone. So that just seems like those are products are not in sync. That would are be you nice. using uh, messages in the cloud? Yeah. Okay. I didn't realize mine wasn't on, so I was having the same kind of thing. And I so going from my 10R to my 13, I'm like, wait, how has this feature never been on for me? I just somehow missed it over the past few years, which oh, is wow. a little embarrassing, not going to lie. But uh, it's working now. So it was maybe it was something like that because that should sync across. A few things I think would be nice for notifications is what you mentioned, being able to access your future upcoming summary ahead of time. Yes. I think that would also be nice. Yeah. And this is a little bit more specific to one app. Shortcuts. I don't want notifications or anything on my lock screen telling me that an automation ran. Yes. I, it's so annoying. So annoying. They, 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 or at least clump them together. It's like one of the only apps that doesn't group their notifications. It's it's infuriating. Oh, God. So annoying. But to piggyback off what you were saying, though, like I think an app where I would really like that uniformity of the notification experience is I set up different notifications on my iPad and my iPhone for day one for some reason, which is an awesome mm-hmm. app, by the way. I love day one. 
But I have it. I'll go to my iPad. And there's a prompt for day one. And it's like, well, I already did day one. That's a different prompt altogether. And I don't need it anymore. And I never need it. And I just, I don't want to have to go in the settings and turn it off. Like, why doesn't just carry the setting across all my devices? So yeah, iOS 16, wish list. There we go. Yeah. So many things I would change if I could. So many things. The synchronization of notifications. I, I thought Apple offered the ability for apps to synchronize notifications. Like, so, you know, you can use push notifications through the APNS. But I also thought that push notification was, it was synchronous, right? So I thought that once a customer took action or once that action was, you know, the notification was read or acknowledged on one device, it then synchronized back to the other device. And that's not the case. It only works that way for, I think, messages uh, or maybe their core um, their core set of uh, apps, not third-party apps. I actually think you're right. But I think where like a hurdle they might get to, so like take day one, for example. On my iPad, I set it up to send me a notification to do a specific prompt. Mm-hmm. At like uh like it, I had this prompt I want to set up where it's like ask me five positive things that happened in the day. That's kind yeah. of how I am my day is I put like five positive things in day one. It's a good way to end the day. Remind yourself of something good. And um, so that's set up on my iPad, but I don't have that set up on my iPhone. So technically, I'm getting a notification from day one, but there's separate notifications that are different. So if I dismiss one on one device, it's not exactly the same notification as somewhere mm. else. So I don't know if they have some sort of like generated token for um, a notification so a kid sync across the board like that so they like it, you know one text message you get from if i get a text message from you then that notification will have a token that makes it unique and then on my ipad it have the same token for the same notification from you you dismiss then it recognizes across the board i'd imagine it works that way um that'd be my guess but on like the day one example that wouldn't be that wouldn't work because they're two separate notifications that have different like token ids I don't know if I explained that well enough. I like, no, I, I totally get what you're saying. And so I wish that they could they could improve improve it. Like the entire process, like, sorry, the entire, the way that it's architected to me or to mm-hmm. majority of people really don't care. They just want it to work a certain way or to work better than it is. And I think yeah. you, you what you're talking about is that there should be some way that if you have a token assigned to you, it's not assigned to your device. Maybe it's assigned to your iCloud ID and that, that token then synchronizes between both or all your devices, not just one device. Yeah. That would be great. And I hope that's something that they address in, you know, I was gonna say 14.2, in iOS 16, that and those <laughs> stupid shortcuts notifications that, oh, that really drives me mad. <laughs> you were saying it, I'm like, gr- I'm gritting my teeth. I'm like, oh, I don't like that. But yeah. I have all the focus mode automation set up. So I'll have like the wind down notification, the starting work notification, the morning notification. I'm like, oh my God, I know it ran. It did what I wanted it to do. <laughs> I, don't, I don't need to see the notification. Please stop telling me that, guys. Please stop telling me that. <laughs> yeah, so it's it's annoying to say the least. Annoying to say the least. Is there any feature in 15.2 that you want to talk about that we didn't do? Maybe digital legacy or I think that's actually kind of cool. Seems like it's taken a Yeah, lot. I do too. Uh, anything else that you want to talk about? I think digital legacy is is a really good feature. I think that's something that it's like we don't want to talk about it because it's kind of like a morbid subject, but it's important nowadays. Like you have so much important stuff on your devices that like to... I used to work in technical support and it was really sad sometimes. And so people come in and be like, you know, my father passed away or something like that. And we wanted to get some memories off of his phone. And we're kind of like, eh, can't do anything. Whatever we do, it's going to erase the entire device. So sorry. And it's like the most heartbreaking conversation to have. And that's, you're kind of able to do something about it now. So it's a cool feature. Um, I don't plan on dying anytime soon, but um, it's a cool feature nonetheless to, to hopefully, you know, get to use for people who 
I'd like to continue on their memories and, you know, retain them like pictures for, you know, for my mom's phone or something like that whenever she passes. Yeah. It's really morbid. It feels weird talking about this. It does feel weird talking about it. One of the things that I do that or that I've done, I have you or I use one password. And one of the things that you create is like a, it's kind of like a, uh, if emergency break glass. And it's a piece of paper. Basically, it has your name, your encryption key, and your password. And you give it to a loved one, right? Saying, if there's a problem, right, here are my passwords to my account. Obviously, it's limited to whatever passwords you put in the account. If you don't put your password to your iPhone, the person that's opening up is kind of screwed. But if if you're mindful about what you put in there, uh, it should help that. And I mean, that's the thing that I've been doing in the past. I'll probably set up uh, Digital Legacy now that it's available. But that's, you know, something that at least me and my immediate family practice, because also there are times where it's a good recovery, right? Like if I lost my phone, I don't have my security fob. I, you know, it's just like when, when like a complete black swan, you don't have anything you're like, okay, what can I do here? So that's good. So how does it work? Do you just like call up Apple, uh, you provide death certificate or something like that, and then they just unlock the account for you? You can use your own password to get into their account. Like how does that? So what I think it is. So they didn't detail it out, but uh, you provide them with a copy of the death certificate and then there is a period of time where they validate it and then they provide some type of access to the device. I don't think that they can even see, you know, they don't know what your lock code is because that lock code is encrypted on your device or it's it's uh, encrypted on your device. And maybe it's the iCloud store that's on the back end because that's what they are able to give access to law enforcement. I have really have no idea. Uh, let's just take a look here. Uh, let's do some live internet sleuthing. iCloud. <laughs> if it's kind of automated like that, in the sense that like they're not going to give you their password or something like that, that is nice. Because I'm thinking about like, with my dad, I don't worry about passwords because he knows how to manage the technology. He's good at that kind of stuff. My mom will write down passwords and then forget them and lose the piece of paper and it, all gone. So if there was like some sort of like, you're talking about like one password, there's like a special code you're using or something like that. That I don't think would work for everybody. Yeah. And other positive conversations so that we have on the networked podcast. <laughs> yeah. So request to access a deceased friend or family member's account. If you are the legacy contact for a, a deceased person, you can request access to their account and have their activation lock removed from their devices. You must have the access key when you're added, where to find it. Oh, okay. So there's an access key. Okay. It doesn't say what they have access to. Oh, data available. Here we go iCloud photos, notes, mail, contacts, calendar, reminders, messages in iCloud, call history, file stored in iCloud. So it's, it's basically the same stuff that we talked about. It's stuff that is stored. There's a local copy or there's a sync copy on their server that they have access to. And this is what they would give to law enforcement, presumably, when they when they get a, um, is it a FISA warrant or a, I'm trying to think what the name of the warrant is. But anyways, so it's anything that's in their iCloud account. So not the apps, not the app data. Yeah, you're not getting access like their purchase history and that kind of stuff. So you can get free apps and music and all that. Yeah, data that's not uh, that is not included. Licensed media, for example, movies, music, books, in-app purchases, upgrade, subscription, game, currency, payment information, information stored in the account holder's keychain, Safari usernames and passwords, Wi-Fi passwords. Yeah, and so none of that is provided to that. So all they have access to is the information that I that I went through. That's fair. Yeah, that is fair. And you also get access to files stored in iCloud Drive. I did not say that. I just read that at the very I think end. the photos is the most important one. 
Yeah. Anything you would want from your loved ones afterwards, it's definitely their photos. I don't know if I would want to go through their text messages. And I don't know. It's like, I don't know. It's too personal. Yeah, I, I guess. Yeah, you're right. It's very personal. Maybe to spin this a different way. It sounds very much like if law enforcement can request a copy of it, let's turn it into a product that our customers can use. Right. And here are all the things that we give we, we can give law enforcement. Yeah. And how do we productize this and make it available to customers in this kind of very horrible scenario where, you know, someone has died and they want access to their account. This sounds like it's exactly what it is. Mm-hmm. Morbid thought, but, you know, it's 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 fortunately it's a fact of, you know, it's a fact of life. What happens yep. on to bigger and brighter things, Holden, on to bigger and brighter things. <laughs> so there are two specific features in iOS, iPadOS and Mac OS that are not here that the internet has got all in a tizzy about one of them specifically universal control. So that is the ability for to use your mouse, you know, your uh, trackpad or your mouse that is on your computer with your Mac and control their device like an iPad. While the internet is super in flames, they they don't know what to do that this feature is not out. People are like, I bought an iPhone just for this feature. I'm like, it doesn't even work on an iPhone. I don't think like, why are you so upset? It doesn't even work on an iPhone. But it, it, it is a cool feature, but it just, I don't know why. Maybe you know better than I do. You're, you're young. Why are people so upset about this, Holden? I, I don't get it. Because it's the internet. It doesn't matter what happens. Everyone will be upset about it. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, this is, I think, one of the coolest features they showed at WWDC. And so I'm not surprised people are upset about it. I'm ups- I'm certainly upset about it. I can wait. Obviously, I want the feature to come out when it works, not when it's a hobbled together mess. But yeah, I think it's surprising because if I recall correctly, SharePlay got delayed, but they're saying, oh, no, no, but don't worry. Universal control won't get delayed or maybe that's just something Mark Gurman reported or something like that. So it's a bummer that now SharePlay is here, but universal control still isn't. And also, too, because of the way we know how it works, it doesn't seem like it's actually as hard to implement as it initially seemed. It really doesn't rely on on iCloud too much. Um, The only thing I can think of that that might have delayed it because my dad had it when he was in beta and he was telling me it was really frustrating when he would try to use his, I can't remember if he's using, he has a few Macs and a few different iPads, but I think what was happening is, is he would use one Mac and when he'd move his mouse in a certain way, it would keep activating the other Mac. Mm. But even when he was in the other room. Okay. So he would go to that uh, other computer and it would be dead on power because it had been activated over and over and over and over again oh, wow. without him realizing it. So maybe it's something to do with that. Maybe. Hmm. I don't know. That's kind of weird. The only other thing that I could think about, uh, which that's a, that's actually a really good reason, is maybe that there is – so they've never publicly discussed whether this was uh, – they said it would work on M1 Macs, right, or existing Macs and iPads. But they never said anything about the peripherals. So I'm wondering if there's a different peripheral, which that either maybe they're having hardware trouble with, and maybe that's part of it. Though I wouldn't think that they were, that they, I guess, wouldn't launch this feature with already having, um, with this existing kind of set of devices or peripherals in the market where they can just start taking advantage of it automatically. That would not make sense to me. I don't know. I understand what you're saying where, every, like, they showed it off and it's it sounds really promising and wow, it, it looked really cool from a, from like a usability perspective. I can have one trackpad control everything. I don't have to use my magic keyboard or whatever the case is, but I don't know. Are there really that many like use cases where I have my computer, I have my iPad, my iPad is in a stand and I need to control both of them. I, I don't know. Maybe. Yeah. 
maybe I just don't. Absolutely. Under- there is. Okay. So maybe I just don't Absolutely. understand the use case. Hmm. It's actually, I have one use case I just can't wait to do. What is the um, use so, I mean, case? I'm acting all giddy, but it's really just like this one thing. So I, I tend to like listen to podcasts or um, like play something on YouTube and just kind of listen to it while I'm working. Yeah. And it would be really awesome if I could just keep my iPad kind of tucked away on the side. And then when I want to control it, I just move the mouse over, hit pause, hit play and all that stuff. And I just do it all from one keyboard. That actually sounds like magical to me. Okay. That is exactly how I want to use my devices, and I've always kind of like wanted to be able to do it. Now I can. It's just not here yet. I'm not actually like I'm not actually butthurt by the way that it, like, it's not there. Um, but I am excited for it to to come out for for that reason specifically. So I didn't realize that it was more than the trackpad to control the other device. I thought it was only the trackpad. So you're saying that I could have my iPhone, sorry, my iPhone, my Mac here, an iPad you know, in the other room or within kind of whatever the, you know, the distance is. And I can control the iPad from my Mac with the keyboard. So if I wanted to pause play or like select a new video in YouTube, I can do that all with the trackpad, I'd imagine. Because you're just basically moving the mouse over as if it was the mouse. But I don't see why you wouldn't be able to also use the keyboard. I didn't. Is, hmm. is it only the trackpad? Can you not use the keyboard? Oh, no, I am I'm, I was I assume that I. I I probably assumed it correctly. I don't know. I mean, it's it's possible. Maybe they couldn't get that to sync over. I actually kind of want to look it up now. No, it says mouse and keyboard. Yeah. So you could use an iPad fully. Hmm. Delayed until May or until spring. I don't know why I said May. Until spring. Shame. Yeah. So spring is like the end of uh, end of March. That's when we see the next release. I wonder if, mm-hmm. like, would I be able to drag and drop files in between devices? Yeah, you can drag files across your devices. All that stuff still works. Wait, it, it still works or that's part of universal control? It's part of universal control. You can just take it. So like one of the demos they showed was you have two Macs side by side mm-hmm. and you take a, this is so bananas. You take out like a picture you had edited on the iPad and you drag it across one Mac over to the second Mac and then place it in a keynote or something like that. So it's built on top of handoff is what you're saying. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Okay. Uh, I, I didn't. I don't think I realized. But also, that. like they have cut, copy, and paste between their devices now. So I mean, it it could be doing all sorts of things in the background to transfer a file over. Because mm. really, probably what it does is it just visually represents you dragging an image, like an icon, across the different devices, and then when you drop it where it needs to go, it just tells iCloud, okay, this is the file, send it over. Yeah, you, you know the the one, now that you said that, the one thing that I've I've seen before is that. Anytime that you have like uh, a device that supports bonjour, 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 uh, running, and there's a request, like it, it will, the device will flood every other device on the network with connection requests. And I'm, I'm wondering if that's part of the problem. And that sounds like what your dad was experiencing, where there is this oversaturation of connection requests from one device to these others, and they're, they're trying to figure out maybe how to limit that. Hmm. I don't know. I think I, I guess what I'm. Con- to me, that seems like it wouldn't be that hard to change unless they want it to be more seamless than what I'm about to say. But like, I guess have it be treated like, okay, so like when when you drag a file across your Mac, right? And you want to move from one app to the other. Like one of the ways you can do that is to like hover your mouse over the icon and then that app will pop up. Then you drag your mouse back on top of that app mm-hmm. and then it like kind of like flickers and then you can drop again because yeah. it's kind of like waiting to make sure you want to do that. I feel like if they took that similar kind of cadence, they could maybe get around that where like you move your mouse to the left side of the screen 
because you want to go to a Mac that's in that direction. And you kind of have to like hover it there for a while. And then the gray bar will show up Hmm. and then you can like move over that way. Like once the gray bar shows up, then it starts to kick into play the activating another device because you've held your mouse there for long enough that it seems intentional. Kind of like how when you hold your mouse over an icon yeah. in the dock to a file to that, you have to wait a little bit because you're waiting for it to be intentional. I think maybe that that could help. And then turn off the session when that device's display goes to sleep. Yeah, I, I mean, that's a, that's a, uh, a very kind of thoughtful way of of solving that. I just, I don't know what they're like. It seems like. Yeah, we don't, what the like, hurdle like, is, yeah. Yeah, I, like it, there's obviously there's some complexity that neither you or I know, but that's what you're saying would make sense, right? Like, so wake up the device when you are in some kind of like proximity area and then, sh- you know, put the device to sleep or tell them the device to go to sleep when the yeah. other device actually you know, goes to sleep or there's the, it loses um, some type of, you know, it basically goes to sleep. But I don't know. There's there's something there that you or I can't, uh, can't we can't put our finger on. And uh, I, I, I'm more interested in it now after having this conversation than I was in the beginning. Because I'm like, oh, I don't know if I really use this. It's, it's weird because Logitech has a feature just like this. It's called Flow and allows you to copy and paste files in between two devices that your Logitech mouse is paired with. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. It already works through iCloud though. So yeah, us Mac users don't need to worry about that. Or us, I should say Apple users because... You could have a Mac and an Android phone. Why you do such blasphemy, I have no idea, but there are people out there who do that. I have a I have a Mac and an Android phone. Yeah, but your iPhone's a primary phone, though. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. <laughs> the other feature inside of, or that's missing from iOS 15.2 is ID cards, which is, I think, very cool in concept. It is the digitization of your state driver's license or ID and shown through wallets. So that's something which I'm looking forward to. Thankfully, my state is supporting it. Go Florida for the one thing that they're doing right. good job for florida but that is pretty cool i think that they were waiting for uh higher tier federal government support which that came very late and that's probably why they pushed it because they were not supporting that until i think just at the beginning of december yeah government is slow government is slow yeah that (laughs) is very slow this is a great feature though i can't wait because i was thinking about now that i've yet phone 13 pro i'm like oh i'll i have my magsafe for the first time and uh, let me get a magsafe wallet and then i'm like well if i can put my id in my phone like what really would i be carrying with me that i even really need the magsafe wallet for yeah does your state use digital uh like vaccines like uh sorry vaccine records i actually don't know i just keep mine in my car because mm-hmm. anywhere i need it i'll i can just oh we need it i can just run to my car but no one's ever asked for it so i don't really worry about it too much yeah i don't know like it I'm going out of the, or I think I'm going out of the country later, um, like in the summer. And I'm like, oh, I wonder if they'll support it by the summertime. Cause I really want to not carry that with me. It's just a pain, right? Cause it's weirdly shaped and everything. Yeah. They need to make wallet sized versions of those. Yeah. Like, like the, <laughs> you need like a, a wallet sized version. You need like a passport sized version, which the one that we have now is like passport size, but <laughs> Yeah. Like they're just like you're ordering like pictures in the 1990s. Like, give me a wallet size one, give me a passport size one, <laughs> and you know, I guess I'll take a five by seven as well, just in case someone needs to see a big picture or a plaque of it. <laughs> yeah, then you like have to bring it to the place where you get vaccinated and be like, all right, just fill out all of these for me. Yeah, <laughs> I have seven of them. <laughs> yeah. Any other features in 15.2 that you want to talk through, whether it's the Mac, uh, iPhone, iPad, Apple Watch? 
No, I, I don't even actually know what changed in the Apple Watch version. Is just access to like the voice plan with the Apple Music and that kind of stuff? Yeah, that's my understanding as well. I haven't noticed any features or any changes in that. Um, let me just check. It's Watch 8.3. Uh, music. Oh, yeah. It's App Privacy Report as well. So uh, Music Plan and App Privacy Report. Well, there's that. Let's talk about my experiment with AirPods 3, which somewhere around here, I think. So you've had all the AirPods, or at least all the meaningful ones. Yeah, all the meaningful ones. I actually even bought a second pair of AirPods Pro for some reason because they were on sale. I'm like, oh my God, I have to buy them. I don't know why. But uh, either way, (laughs) so my experiment with AirPods 3, I sleep with my AirPods in. And the problem that I was coming in, uh, the reason why I sleep with them in is because I have trouble falling asleep. And while I was sleeping with my AirPods, I put the noise cancellation on. I I turn on some kind of like special sleep music or like some guy like telling me stories uh, in Calm, which is the best (laughs) app in the world. And... Hashtag not sponsored. So I put it on and I fall right asleep. Well, the problem is that, you know, I lay like on my pillow a certain way and they end up digging in my ears. And over time, I've kind of got this ringing in my ears. I'm not saying it's from the AirPods, but I think it's maybe maybe just for me doing them. Uh, I, I don't know. I've got this very low, t- it's, it's tinnitus, but it's not pronounced tinnitus. I'm, I'm saying it incorrectly and I apologize. Um, tinnitus, that's what's how you say it. So anyways, I, I, I'm trying to solve for that. I'm like, okay, let me find a different pair of in-ear sleep buds. And like Bose makes a pair and they're like 250 bucks. And I'm like, oh, okay, let me try them because if they solve my problem, I really don't care. But the Bose ones, yeah. you can only listen to sounds that are predefined or set up in the Bose app. You can't lo- use like Headspace or Calm or any other kind of sleep music. So I'm like, oh, that's, that's oddly limiting. In like a world designed for apps. Like that's so strange. Yeah, I think they do that because they want to manage the performance of the earbuds, right? So if you have like music or something, right? There, maybe you're listening to a certain level or music level, though they're going to perform poorly and then they, they won't get the battery life that you're expecting. Yeah. Maybe, I, I don't know. They they ha- they know their constraints, I don't. But <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, okay, well, let me try these AirPod 3s. And I try them and they fit better for me. And I'm like, oh, okay, good. They they don't fit. They don't kind of jam in my ears. And when I first put them in, I didn't like them at all. No joke. I didn't like them. And I was like, oh, I can hear all this background music. I'm like hitting the button. I'm like, oh, wait, these don't have noise cancellation. But after a while, I'm like, okay, well, let me sleep with them. And they don't bother me while I'm sleeping. But I'm like, I don't really need to keep, or I really don't need to, you know, buy $150 headphones to sleep with eight hours a night that doesn't really make a whole lot of sense to me. So I'm going to return them, but they do sound good. They sound different than AirPods because of the seal they create, the AirPods Pro create in your ear. So they're not as, the base isn't as tight as the AirPods Pro because of the seal from the uh, from the silicone tip. They are they are really nice. And I think that they're definitely worth checking out if you have AirPods 2 or AirPods 1 and you're looking for an upgrade. They sound good and they have, I guess, all the features that you'd expect minus noise cancellation. So that is my experiment that I was trying to uh, solve with my AirPods 3 with MagSafe charging case. What a mouthful that is. (laughs) Is that the same exact charging case as the Pros? It's shaped a little bit differently because the AirPods themselves are shaped just a little bit differently. I got um, some new tips for my AirPods Pro. Oh, did you? Yeah, I'll turn really quickly. They're foam. Oh, yeah. Comply? Comply? Yep. Comply. Exactly. Those ones. Yeah. They're really comfortable. I'm sure if you tried those, it sounds like you you might you might have tried them. I buy them like in their sale. Like every four months, I buy two or three packs. So those are pretty good. So this is the AirPods 3. 
and this mm -hmm. is the AirPods Pro. And you can see that. Oh, a, yeah. They're a little bit different, slightly different. So yeah, it's a little less wide and a little taller. Yeah. But otherwise, you know, functionally speaking, I mean, they, they look almost the same. You know, they have the lights, uh, you know, they're obviously have the same kind of direction or design. But um, yeah, I don't, I don't need to keep them, not for that amount of money. So I honestly will be returning them, no joke. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, also, I, I mean, I, your circumstances are a little bit different, obviously. I feel like for most people, if you have AirPods Pro, there is zero reason to get AirPods 3. Yeah, you're, you're right. There's a zero reason. So there are some people who who tried AirPods 3 after using AirPods Pro, and they're like, oh, wow, these are much better. And I thought that for like a brief second, but then I'm like, the noise cancellation is really what gets me. Like, I want mm -hmm. the noise cancellation. I want to be, like, feel isolated in terms of when I'm listening to music. I don't want to hear everything that's around me. If I wanted to hear everything, I would just turn off transparency or turn on transparency, excuse me. Yeah. But even, like, I've noticed with those uh, ear tips that you have, when you turn on transparency, you still really can't hear anything because of the foam. The steel is incredible on the comply um, yeah. tips. They're really, really solid. They are very solid. So like when you have the, the comply tips in your ears and you turn on noise cancellation, it's like you're in an anechoic chamber. You're like, I can't. Mm -hmm. Like you can't, it's it's amazing. <laughs> they also just fit so much better in my ear as well. Yeah. They don't, every once in a while, I kind of need to adjust them or something like that. Um, actually, if you go back and watch previous episodes of Network, you'll probably just see me finic like you know moving around all the time. Yeah, I don't think I actually have touched them this entire time we've been talking. Maybe I have, like how you touch your face without realizing it. But um, I don't feel like I have now that I think about it because they they fit in so much better. They, they fit so much better because I sleep with them in, and, and what happens is that some point in the night they fall out of my ears. The edges of the you know the edges of the of the foam tip end up kind of like breaking down. So I have to replace them pretty quick, like every yeah, like sixty days. That's why I buy them in like four in uh in packs of like three. So there's there's three tips in there, and I buy them in packs of three. So I have them mm -hmm. for like six months. But uh, yeah, I I love the way they sound. I just wish they lasted a little bit longer for my use cases. Mm -hmm. I wish yeah. <laughs> I wish I didn't have to sleep with them, but that's okay. <laughs> yeah, that is okay. But otherwise, I everyone's, think they're everyone's different. Everyone's different, Holden. Everyone's different. Anything else that you want to talk about with AirPods or any other questions that you have? I mean, I imagine it's pretty much the same experience as the AirPods Pro, just minus transparency noise canceling. So like spatial audio, all that stuff is exactly the same. Any differences you notice there at all? No, they last longer because there's no noise cancellation. Oh, yeah. yeah. That makes sense. So instead of getting like uh, 24 hours of of listening time with the you know, charging case, you get 30 hours. So it's That's a little bit. Good. Yeah, it's pretty good. I don't know if I if I told you this or if we talked about it previously. I had my AirPods replaced just recently under um, mm -hmm. my the Apple Care warranty, so they were both defective. Where if I was like yawning or something, they would like crack and pop, like in my ears. They would it sound like static. Yeah, and they That's replaced. Weird. Them. Yeah, and it was actually a known issue where they were replacing them. They had a service bulletin for them. Huh. If I'll tell you, I wouldn't believe that if you told me. Honestly, like, really? They're cracking? You think it's the AirPods? I don't know. That sounds like crazy. Like, has it even happened? I just adjusted. I just did it. I just did it. You just did it. Yeah. <laughs> the, the the technician, I, I had talked to him a couple times before uh, on other things, and he's like, come on, man. He's like, he's like, stop pulling my leg. I'm like, oh, I'm not kidding you. I go, there's even a service <laughs> bulletin for it. He's like, there's not. I'm like, I'm telling you there's a service bulletin. 
and he's like <laughs> he's like i can't believe it you're right there's a service bulletin so he you know after like he put him up to a machine or connected to a machine with the diag tool and a couple days he's like he's like they they, they have to get swapped out but i don't have the parts and a couple days later i hit him so i actually am waiting for a replacement case from airpods right now because i've been having a super frustrating issue with them where if i put the airpods in they don't connect to the case Oh, wow. Sometimes they will, sometimes they won't. So I'll have to kind of like drop it in and look for the light to like flicker. So I know they went in. Yeah. But then sometimes they'll disconnect while they're in there. So I'll be like in the car and I'll be talking to someone. And then all of a sudden, the audio switches to my AirPods in my pocket in the case. Weird. And the and it, it's really frustrating for the person I'm talking to because they'll be talking, which will come out through the speaker of the AirPods and then is captured by the microphone in a very enclosed environment. So it sounds unbelievably loud, apparently. Oh, wow. It's weird. really strange. Or like in less intrusive issues or less frustrating issues, I'll just be watching something on my laptop or my phone, and then I can't hear it all of a sudden, and I don't know why. And turns out they just spontaneously connected to my AirPods. It seems like it's the case, but we don't know for sure yet. Uh, so they're going to replace it for you? Yeah, I'm under Apple Care still, so that's going to be replaced for me. Oh, wow. So did you get Apple Care Plus for your headphones? Yeah, if I buy any Apple product, I just put Apple Care Plus on it because I just don't want to worry about it. We're talking about your iPhone 13 Pro. You got a new phone uh, and mm-hmm. you, I guess you upgraded coming from the 10R. What do you like? What don't you like about the phone? What's your what, what's good so far? I honestly can't think of anything I don't like. The, yeah. the only thing that's so nitpicky is it's a little too heavy, but I'll get used to that. It's not a problem because the heaviness... The- Go ahead. Sorry. No, so you have the 13 Pro or the Pro Max? The Pro. So the Max, okay. I can't even imagine. Yeah. It seems like it'd be a very, very heavy phone. But I'm fine with the weight in the sense that I know it's heavier because there's a bigger battery in there. And that battery life is just as ridiculous as everyone has been saying it is. I cannot believe how good the battery is. I'll never, never get through that in a day. I've been running it very consistently throughout the day, streaming YouTube videos um, while this, I bet I was listening to it, not watching the YouTube videos. Yeah. But still streaming and playing to Bluetooth headphones from like when I was working, which I started working at like nine in the morning, straight until we started talking. And I was at, a, at I was at, I was at 65%. Oh my gosh. If, yeah, that's absolutely bonkers battery life. I mean, there's wow. some intermittent stuff in there too. Like I might, you know, send some text messages or listen to some music instead of streaming YouTube. But like, Using it very, very consistently, the battery life's insane. It's absolutely insane. Um, so that's that's the highlight hmm. for me, absolutely. And then um, ProMotion is just fantastic. It makes the device feel so peppy and smooth. I can't imagine it being any faster, which obviously as software updates come out, it'll slow down over the years. But it's starting off just lightning fast. And I do think a portion of that is the 120 hertz display, just making everything feel more responsive. Everything about it feels more responsive. So it's it's huge in that regard. The display being OLED means that I do dark mode. So now when I go to apps, it's like pure black mm-hmm. and not like that a little like it's like dark and not rather than dark gray, you get like an LCD screen. So uh, when I'm reading in um, the news, my reader app, it's R-E-D-E-R, mm-hmm. um, very good app. It's pure black and it's just it makes the phone look like a continuous there's a glass panel. You don't even really notice the notch at that point. 
And it just, everything about it, it just feels perfect for me. Absolutely perfect. I don't take a lot of photographs, but I did some tests. The camera is also phenomenal. It's just, there's nothing, there's nothing bad about this phone. There's, there's every iPhone I've had, there's always been like one thing where I'm, like the 10R, um, like say, okay, like it's an LCD screen. It's not an OLED, but it's still a fantastic phone. Uh, there's nothing like that for me on this one. I can imagine for some other people, the lightning connector is very frustrating because the um, transfer speed with a like, huge, massive ProRes video uh, is probably frustrating. I don't have to deal with that. So that doesn't really bother me too much. Would I prefer USB-C? Of course. Yeah. But it's that's by no means a hindrance. Like I've kind of felt like an older iPhone maybe didn't have as good battery life or Touch ID didn't respond as well or something like that. It's like everything – Touch ID usually didn't work that well for me, just uh, to throw that out there. Um, so like everything about this phone, there's just – it just, just there's nothing wrong with it. Now, also, I'm on that high where – the, the honeymoon phase, mm-hmm. I got it yesterday. So like obviously my impressions are glowing, <laughs> Yeah, you know, when you ever get a new product. But I really, really do love it a lot. And – since it's been a while since I got a new iPhone, that even just the transfer process was insanely easy. You can transfer now directly from iPhone to iPhone. And I transferred like 130 gigabytes of data between directly to iPhone and then downloading music from the cloud. And it just happened. It was more seamless than it had been before in the past. And I already thought it was seamless to transfer from an iPhone, one iPhone to the other. But this was even more so. So just everything about the experience was, was phenomenal. Oh, and even yesterday downloading 130 gigabytes of data to that phone drained 30% of the battery. Oh, wow. Over like hours. I expected that thing to be done in a few hours because it's doing so much processing and downloading so much data using all the radios to download all the data. It's it's just, it's a, it's a beast. I didn't hmm. get 5G just because... It's not on your plan, but you have a 5G. It's not my plan, yeah. yeah. And I don't feel the need to get it yet. Do they have, does you have Verizon or you have AT&T? I have Verizon. Okay. They have 5G where you're at? They have like the the fake 5G, like the HSPA plus equivalent, where it's like the intermittent one. And I actually still get that, even though I'm not paying for 5G. Hmm. So I still get that, but it doesn't seem like there's a huge difference there. And LTE is fine. Yeah, LTE is fine. I was in in downtown Fort Lauderdale over the weekend, and like there was this little nook where we had 5g ultra wideband i'm like oh my god look at the speed test i'm showing my wife she's like i don't care <laughs> i'm like but it's so fast <laughs> or i'm like it's so fast she's like I if don't... i had that yeah sorry go ahead no 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 that, that was it i was just like i was enamored with like the speed with the how quick it was and the speed test like 10 times i'm like oh my god um but you're right like for majority people in the majority of the time when you have uh the repurposed 4g spectrum that's being used on 5g it's it's good enough. Like you don't need the uh, you don't need the two thousand megabits per second downlink speeds because there's not even applications other than a speed test really that that are taking advantage of that kind of uh, speed or yeah. the latency, and that's unfortunate. But I think we'll get there soon enough. Uh, probably absolutely. By... Yeah, yeah. I, I'm I do like it. I'll let you finish your story. And I'll, I'll I'll say something about the weight of the iPhone. Yeah, it was it's really quick. It's just um like yeah, if I had the speeds that you were getting there, I'd be more compelled. But part of the bigger reason I did this and why I actually got the phone to begin with, because I was planning on waiting until next year. I wanted this phone because the promotion, but I was going to wait till next year because my 10R was still going great. But Verizon was doing this ridiculous trade-in policy where it's like I can trade my iPhone 10R for six hundred and fifty dollars. 
Mm-hmm. And then I'm like, at that point, the iPhone 13 Pro is like nothing. Yeah. So I'm like, it's going to be a huge upgrade. Why not just do it now? Part of the stipulation of that trade-in is you have to have an unlimited plan. I already have unlimited 4G LTE, so I could stick with that. But if I go to 5G, I have to go for unlimited 5G, which is an extra $50 per month on my bill. And I'm like, there are a handful of streets in Providence where I'd get 5G, but nowhere where I'd be using it. So it just seems like an absolute waste to spend $50 on ultraband 5G when I'm, I don't have access to it yet. But when I do, then I will be compelled because that, like what you were saying, there are 2,000 megabits per second down. That is astronomical compared to even my home Wi-Fi speeds. Like, it's just nuts. Yeah. Like, that could easily replace Wi-Fi, I think, once it gets to, you know, enough exposure. You're right. And so I was going to say two things. Oh, regarding Verizon. So they had some trade-in deal in November. If you trade in any phone, you you would get $800 for yeah. like towards like towards a, uh, any device. So I had, a, I had a Pixel 4, which was like a $300 phone. And I traded in, they gave me 800 bucks for it. And then because I didn't, because <laughs> I came from a different carrier, they gave me a thousand dollar credit to switch. I'm like, this is, this. Uh, come on. Like, how is this? working out because I'm really, I'm paying the same dollar a month. I think I'm paying maybe like $10 more a month. So even if I, if I take that out two years, I'm paying $204 extra when they're giving me 1800, I'm like, I really don't care. And I, I got the, the pixel six pro, which I do like a lot. I think they do it because at least for my deal, it was for existing customers specifically towards an iPhone 13 or mm. 13 pro or you mini, whatever, like whatever, as long as it's a 13 series. And I think it's cause they want you to have a 5g phone so they can charge you for 5G plans. I think it's all about just getting you to pay for 5G. Yeah. That, that that's sense. my guess. Yeah, that makes sense. And they, and they are incentivized to get people off of older technology so they can then repurpose that uh, spectrum for uh, for other things like 5, 4G or 5G. Exactly. This is probably the second year in a row, and I, I wish I would have learned better, that I regret getting the Pro Max because it's just so big and so heavy in comparison to the 13 <laughs> Pro. My, mm-hmm. I got my wife a 13 Pro and I ordered it in September or maybe the maybe in October and she got it in the middle of November. So it took like six weeks to get it, I think. And as soon as I opened it up, even though I had played with it before, I'm like, God, this is so much smaller than my phone. I wish I had this phone. And I, I regret yeah. getting the Pro Max for the battery life because I never go through the battery ever. Like it's, it is a... a one in 365 day chance that I go through the battery never happens. You'd have to be shooting a lot of video, I'd imagine, in order to eat through the battery on that thing. I would have to be completely bored on 5G streaming video all day long to eat through that battery <laughs> because like I'm so close to, you know, I have access points around my house. I'm always on Wi-Fi. I, you know, I, I have other devices that I'm using. Like I have to be stranded with only my iPhone and watching video at full volume while tethering other devices to my iPhone, it, it it's like a it never happens, <laughs> never happens. It's a good problem to have, though. Yeah, good problem to have. Can't complain. Good problem to have. I cannot complain. What do you usually end your day with on on that phone, like percentage wise? So yesterday was the first day that I noticed in a long time that I ended at thirty percent. I think it was like thirty five percent. I because I I commented about it to my wife. I'm like, wow, I have like thirty five percent today. Like right now, I have fifty one percent, and I'll probably it probably won't change between now and when I go to bed at, you know, 11 o'clock that dramatically. Yeah. So it's, uh, and I, I was out of the house for an hour or so this morning and an hour in this afternoon. So there's a little bit more usage on there. 
but it's I guess like you said, it's a good problem to have. Yeah, I was I've been watching a lot of um. Whenever I get excited about a new product, I just look up like you know, I know I'm getting it. I'll go to YouTube and just watch all the videos about yeah. like the battery comparisons, all that kind of stuff. And I was watching one I can't remember who it was from, but it was um comparing the battery life of even just the Samsung phones in this, and it just it seems to trounce everything in battery life. It does. It just seems like this is. It's crazy how much better the battery life is, and I remember the time when iPhones were criticized for not having as good battery life, and it just seems like they are resolving that issue, but many other big criticisms of the iPhone as well. This being a very big one, I, I just yeah, I'm blown away by the battery life alone. It's worth. It's really is worth the upgrade for the battery life. I think. Yeah, it seems like so. Two was it two years ago? I th- maybe it was three years ago where they did some refactoring of code and they basically were able to get like two times the battery life performance on those on all devices at that point. And now like they're going through the same cycle, but it's obviously the battery life increases specific to this processor. So it'll be Mm. interesting to see what they do in maybe like two or three years down the road and what type of um, efficiencies they're able to gain from maybe the next generation of processors. Cynical prediction. Go ahead. I have so much faith in Apple's jump processors. They are so good and seem to be so ahead of the game. I wouldn't be surprised in like, you know, five to 10 years time, we'll have similar, like like what's happening with Epic and Apple in the App Store and like, is Apple too big? There's unfair competition, that kind of stuff. I would not be surprised if there'd be conversations of, well, by using their own processors, it's creating unfair competition across the Android devices because they'll just hmm. be, it okay. seems like they're in, getting better at such a rate that no one else can keep up with. That makes sense. In terms of power and efficiency. And like eventually that's going to hit a point where they're so much better. It it would kind of seem foolish to get another phone that has like half the battery life. That's a crazy hypothetical, but maybe it's not. Who knows? Like, what does that look like? like? My question is, do people even care about battery life? Like, do they buy phones based on battery life? I think that if you were to tell someone, hey, you can get this Android, because you got to keep in mind, like, we're big, we're big, um, like, technology people. So we'll try different phones, that kind of stuff. When someone goes into the store, like the Verizon store, and they they just want a phone that's going to work, if they're in there and the pitch is, well, you can get the iPhone and it will, you'll, you'll only have to charge it, like, once a week or something ridiculous like that. Whereas this Android phone, you know, it, it's going to have a hard time getting through the day. That's... It's obviously a huge difference. But, like, that, I think, will absolutely speak to most people. Absolutely. Hmm. Okay. Better comparison is you can get through two days, no problem. The Android phone, you'll be struggling to get to the end of the day. Okay. Um, it's probably a fair way of looking at it. Yeah. I could see that. I could definitely see that happening. Like, the, the way that they're able to optimize the M1 computers, like, how much, like, web surfing time they're able to get... It'll be interesting to see because it's not ju- it's more than just they have great processors. It's the way that they have everything kind of architecture together and they're able to get all yeah. that. So it'll be interesting how people perceive their vertical integration as a monopoly because that's really yeah, what yeah. it is. These, vertical integration is a great way of, of phrasing it. Yeah. I read um, a really good book called uh, The Master Switch by Tim Wu. Mm-hmm. He's, uh, he's the guy who coined the term net neutrality. Mm-hmm. And he wrote a book about information monopolies over the past 100 years, like uh, monopolies in Hollywood, monopolies in, you know, telecom um, com companies. And um, it's the vertical integration is what always gets them because it creates a situation where you can't compete against them because they're like too good, essentially, because of their vertical integration. But then usually the monopolies abuse that 
position. Yeah. I don't think Apple would abuse it quite in the way that, you know, AT&T did uh, or Bell, I should say, did. Um, hmm. But um, yeah, I think like you might see that where it's like Qualcomm is like, this is unfair. We can't, you know, we can't compete in the smartphone market with uh, with processors in, in the same way that we used to because of this. Intel's going to have a hard time. I don't know, like um, crazy. I know it's a crazy prediction. I'll probably eat my words on it, but. I wouldn't be surprised. And I'd be clear too, I'm not saying like antitrust situations where like the government is suing Apple and there's – I'm not saying anything like that's going to happen. Just you'll – this will be a conversation that is seen. I think you're right. I think you're right. We'll see. I'll bet you a nickel. <laughs> I'll take it. All right. Cool. <laughs> Holden, uh, anything else that you want to talk about today? No, no. We, we talked about a lot. We sure did. We sure it's did. It's good to be back though. It's definitely good to be back. Definitely good to be back. So I had, I had some computer problems over the past few weeks. Uh, but thankfully, those are all rectified now, and uh, you should see and hear from us regularly. Yeah. Holden, where can everyone find you at? I am on Twitter at Holden Depardo. I'm only there really occasionally now. I'm hardly on Twitter anymore. But I'm there sometimes. You're you're better off following Michael and because he posts much more interesting and better content than I do. Oh, Holden, you're so, you're so kind. <laughs> Holden, thank you very much for joining me this evening. Folks, thank you very much for tuning in. Holden, I will talk to you later on. Have a good night. I'll see you later, Mike. Bye-bye.